Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is Christmas, and life has thrown curveballs at us most of this year. Not many people um, could say that this is a normal, ordinary lead up to Christmas. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Bishop Umbers. Well, the words of one bishop, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> okay, which we're going to come back to which bishop that is. Oh, that was St. Nicholas. Come on. And also joined by Ben, now of several episodes fame. Hello, Pete. How are you? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to get over that uh, wonderful joke from the bishop. <laughs> wonderful joke. Uh, you wouldn't happen to be employed by the bishop. I... I might be. Coincidentally. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it must be interesting being a, a bishop. You get to get away with all the dad jokes because you're a spiritual father to so many. That's right. Yes. Although getting away with dad jokes isn't what dad jokes are about. People are supposed to moan and groan at you, not go, oh, good one. Yeah, the, yeah, I think I think I think I noted a tone of uh, facetiousness yeah. in the, uh, the the reply, but right. And does it kick in immediately after your ordination, the dad jokes, or or when you have a son? I don't know. I'm not a dad yet of any sense. I so just, you know, it just happened. I think it was when my children started to talk, right? And just the very first time they could get a pun, you kind of pitch the puns at their level, which mm -hmm. at, at, you know when they're just starting to talk, it's just the right. You know, well, I, when I was chaplain of a school, it was from year two to year 12. Right. So when I'd call into the classroom and I'd have a bit of repartee with the teacher, and of course, <laughs> when they're in primary school, they, they just sort of look with open eyes and, and think that what I was saying was normal. It was about year seven, year eight, especially when they realized they started to groan. Right. Yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> You've got to be careful with deadpan humor with a child of um, seven or eight, because they take you, you know, no, the bishop said, <laughs> you could get yourself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> the bishop said cows fly. <laughs> Reindeers can't do it. Okay. Speaking of that, now we were talking about a bishop. You said as one bishop, ho, ho, ho. Which bishop were we talking about there? St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas. Isn't that Dece December 6th or 8th? December 6th. December 6th. Uh, so tell me how he's related to Christmas. Uh, well, he was very generous. And so the whole point of gift giving was, was drawn from there. But also Coca-Cola played its part. It did. It did. <laughs> Can we come back to that? Some people might not have heard this story, the, the whole story of St. Nicholas giving. Uh, his symbol is, usually includes three bags of gold. The three golden balls, because he apparently gave enough for uh, a poor man to have dowries for his three daughters to get married. Yes, that, so so goes the story. So goes the story. But then the, the the story is that he gave it anonymously. He he didn't try to take credit for it. Well, thro throwing them up in the, you know at night through the window. Yeah. And the cure of ours in his homily talks about. Um, not forming uh, rash judgment. And he uses that as an example. <laughs> <laughs> forming rash judgment. <laughs> yes, yeah, the anonymity didn't work too well for St. Nicholas, though. Because everyone knows. Hundreds of years later, we're all talking, <laughs> talking about, about it. Yeah. That's, true. <laughs> because, that's because the guy actually reported him and said, some idiot's just throwing rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, hang on, they're not rocks. Um, but that uh, tradition is um, December 6th. So, the, as you said, the Coca-Cola company decided to grab this idea of someone who gives gifts and they dressed him up in their red and their white with all fluffy. And, and well, well, I mean, traditionally, you know, depending on the culture, different people bring the gifts. Like in Spain, it's the wise men. Right. So the gifts come on the 6th of January. Ooh. My kids wouldn't hold out that long. I'm afraid. Oh, no, it, it is. It is open revolt. They would say, no, we're not waiting that long. I'm pretty, pretty sure, you know, with the adoption of various American customs, given that we celebrate Halloween now. Right. Um, do we? That, oh, we, yeah, yeah. 
Some kids yeah, come even during we're, COVID. Yeah, we're sort of wading into the shallow end. I think we, my wife and I, purchased. We're probably out of out of Christmas here. But my wife and I purchased lots of Saints cards, and um, when the kids show up with the bags, we say, "Oh, it's all Hallow Eve. Here you go. Here's lots of Saints that you can all check." Yeah, I'm sure they're, they're they're really excited about <laughs> they're, that. One, they're yeah. usually not very excited. Tra- oh, they get home and they're trading them with their friends. <laughs> trying to get a full set. <laughs> yes. Have you got some next? <laughs> yes. Well, maybe not, but. It's it's a way of demonstrating. Look, we're not. I'm not playing this particular game, but uh, I'll tell you what it really means. So anyway, well, they do they do that in Chile as well. Actually, they celebrate by dressing up as angels and saints. Right. Look, to be it's honest, actually, so they're re- regaining the festival, which was originally Christian. Was, I'm just going to give a quick shout out ahead of time. Um, St. Michael's at Belfield. I think they put on. They have a rosary group, and this year for Halloween, they all got dressed up, and all the kids were there, and uh, here at the Catholic Weekly, we did a story about it. They're all all the kids there in their costumes came as their favourite saint. Told us why. Mm. Great. So there is a movement to try and take it back. But... Isn't there a Franciscan thing that like all the saints are represented by their gruesome martyrdom? Because that could be a Halloween thing. You know, people come as you know the guy who got his head chopped off or something like that. <laughs> Isn't there working? There's a whole church of bones or something in the Franciscan. Who was the saint that actually, after his head was chopped off, he walked around with it? You know to Tell the story. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually not you apocryphal. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's that's right up there with the flying house of Loretto. I'm afraid. <laughs> just did, like, did, did 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 the angels take a break when they were? Did it get heavy? <laughs> the flying house. I found out that the 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 Our Lady of Loretto is the patron of flying travellers. Um, my producer's looking at me dumbfounded here. <laughs> when I first became a Catholic, um, I was introduced to some people who very very uh, keenly told me about the flying house of Loretto. Our Lady apparently had a house in uh, Palestine, and when uh, the Muslims were going to invade or some other threat came to Palestine, uh, Christians, devout Christians, relocated the house to, is it Italy? In Loretto. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. And uh, the more mundane story is that they put all the pieces on a boat and shipped it to Italy and then re- reassembled it. Uh, the slightly less um, mundane story is that it flew. Uh, the real story. Yeah. Is that it flew up the coast all the way along and was seen by many witnesses and landed in northern yeah, or wherever it is in Italy. Of course, to Italy. Yes, yes, of course. Well, yes, presumably it did land a few times. Like houses are heavy. Someone they had to put it down for a bit. Well, they're angels. So. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was one of my introductions. It was when I first, in fact, it was almost the very first social ad I had when I came to Sydney as a Catholic. Uh, we had that story told to us. And my wife and I were wide-eyed looking at each other, what was going on. <laughs> and, a, and I won't say who, but a certain bishop was egging the person on saying, oh, really, tell me more details. And <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> That's another story. Christmas, though, uh, it comes with um, perhaps lots of secular stories, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to get myself in trouble. Actually, I will get myself in trouble here when I say I don't actually let Santa stuff in my house. Not that I'm like rigidly against it, but I just don't see the point. I remember lots of people saying, finding out their parents have been lying to them all along um, when I hadn't been told about Santa when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, that must be horrible. You figure, you finally figure out all oh, your actually, parents have lied to you. <laughs> I actually, I remember being told by my parents. It was funny. We were up at my grandmother's um, for Christmas one year. And I was in the room while mum and dad were talking about whether or not to tell my younger sister. And then mum looked over at me and said, you know about Santa, right? I do now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I get that there's lots of people who've had this kind of 
really delightful and magical time when they believed all these sort of things. But I can't think of anything more magical than the actual story of Christmas, the, the, the stunning details of the, the, the star and all those sorts of things. We, we used to have a very simple crib at home. I've seen them on sale in piety stores. It was just a cardboard thing. You, right. know, you sort of lifts out a little bit and, you know, step mm. it up there. But that, that was really something yeah. for, for, for myself. You know, wow, the crib is out. You know, this simple thing of cardboard. Yeah, we, we, we add to it. Like there's a sort of a pattern to it. We add a piece each, each day as we're going through Advent. I have to say, though, I saw maybe I'm looking at the wrong news services, but I saw a, a crib that was um, the Vatican crib the spaceship yeah i have to say robbie robot yeah i'm not i'm not one to criticize the pope but i'm sure he didn't have anything to do with the artistic direction himself but whoever's in charge of that man a, a, a lot of the art in italy smoking something honestly. a lot of the art it, it, i think because you have so much which is so beautiful like you you go around florence rome yeah, exactly. any of the cities and it's just it's just dripping in in renaissance art and it's kind of a, a reaction to that. So oh. anything modern, recent, new, it, it just they has go, to wow, look good. Okay. very, very different. So that's their excuse. They're surrounded by beauty. What's our excuse? What are you saying about Australia? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying you're going to, I don't know if you've been into the art museum here in Sydney. But Many you, times. You go into the museum. Great restaurant. You're walking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're walking through. And if they did it by date, you would walk through and you'd see the realism turn into to slight, you know, impressionism. Then you'd turn it to, into basically you're getting the fragmentation of their understanding of reality. It's almost the same way philosophy went, that everything sort of gets Well, I have to say, so my understanding of museums and, and art houses and things like that, based in New Zealand and by extension Australia, mm -hmm. um, was one of thinking, well, there's not much to see here. Like, I mean, you, you call into something and look, here is a plow that was used a hundred years ago. And you go, yeah, wow. Well, um, but, but then the you museum. go to Europe and yeah. then you understand what a museum actually is. We're my, talking about thousands yeah, of my years. first experience in a, I think it was the Tate Modern in England was the first time I'd been to a proper museum and I had nothing to say. <laughs> I was thinking about comparing it to museums back here and thinking of things like the plows and going, okay, yeah, so this is actual art. Yeah, but in the, in the art galleries, they have art from overseas and there's quite ancient art there. And so you, you, you're finding paintings, maybe, I don't know, they can't be copies, can they, in the museum, but they're basically the really good artists. From well, well, a dimension to art is the depth of meaning. Right. And whilst having something that is significant and uh, is, is sensitive to a situation, a certain pathos or whatever it might mm. be, that doesn't replace technique. Right. It, the difference between, uh, you know, something that's been well painted and something that's a great masterpiece yep. is in fact uh, many times the, 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 even the ethical depth yeah. of, of yep. what's being presented. Yeah. And it, I guess that coming back to the Christmas thing, one of the things that I dislike very much about Christmas in Australia is the commercialization of it, that as soon as the the last of the reasons to sell us stuff, is it Father's Day that's the last kind of bastion? Well, of it's thing? Halloween now and then right. Black Friday and then... Yeah, yeah, Black Friday. What what's that about? <laughs> Black Friday. I always thought it was like Friday the thirteenth or something, but it's not. It's it's about Thanksgiving. It's the the Friday for the Pilgrim. Fathers. So Thanksgiving is on a Thursday. Black Friday is the the next day for whatever reason. I have no idea why they called that. And now apparently the Monday following the weekend is uh, Cyber Monday. Right. But why are we celebrating the Mayflower? 
I think it's another. It's, it's a nice literally switch. another excuse <laughs> a- for a sale. And then as soon as that's over, you've got the, all the Christmas decorations. They go really hard during Advent, and they're trying to sell you all this stuff during Advent. And then you get to the end of Advent, which is Christmas, and they suddenly stop, and they're on to selling the next thing. When it's that's hot, when we're supposed to that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're supposed to be celebrating Christmas for those twelve days at least, and suddenly everything's gone. So there, there seems to be the the sheer um, concentration on selling us stuff has transformed the way we actually, in, as a public, deal with Christmas. So what's some ways, let's talk about some ways that we can um, perhaps, in practical ways, I'm not talking about making ourselves um, into a cultish or Amish society, but basically, how can we make the most of what's out there to to make our Christmases more about Christmas? Well, I think um, the bishop should probably start by making sure that I have those 12 days after Christmas off from, <laughs> off from work. Um, I mean, that's just step one. I think that's if we want to be serious about this. <laughs> oh dear! I oh, know you'll you'll be more immersed, more immersed in the work of the church, in the Christmas the, spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, St. Nicholas, you'll have those golden balls to throw. <laughs> so we, so it just reminded me that now we, we need. We need to, so we need to to really go hard on social media, I think, for those twelve days, so that people know that it's Christmas. Do they know it's Christmas after all? So, so yeah, I think you'll be people, busier. You'll for be busier. Who don't time. know? I uh, I advise the bishop for social media. So what he's just done there is signing me up for twelve extra days of work <laughs> during one of the holiest seasons. I feel kind of guilty sitting here because I actually have applied for and received. I'm I'm taking for the first time in about ten years. I'm taking the early part of January off, so I'm I'm taking um. What is it? So the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, well, see, but priests priests work Sundays. Yeah, uh, the, the the holy day is Monday. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we're gonna have to have another whole episode <laughs> on the Sabbath because this. I have a problem with this seeing it as work as masses work because the Sabbath is supposed to be everything's prepared before you get there. So that if you go to a Jewish family, an Orthodox Jewish family, you find that they've done all the preparation, all the work is done before Sunday and Friday, and then the Sabbath is a time when they all just sit and do it. Yeah, well, mass mass in the parish is yelling and screaming about five minutes beforehand with a few theological questions thrown in, <laughs> and and then it's it's complete chaos afterwards. So yeah. So yes. do you, Bishop? Do you have your memes prepared before Sunday then? Um, <laughs> Or are you make, are you making them on Sunday? Art is permissible on the Sabbath. Art is permissible on the Sabbath. Philosophy is permissible on the Sabbath. In fact, that's the point of the Sabbath to to think and to explore and to make music. To- no, normally normally the memes happen about eight pm when I'm when I'm, I'm I'm back home and then I start hassling the the priest I live with, Father Andrew James, and then maybe he, you know there'll be another priest over, and and I'll just start drilling the both of them. Okay, look, here's the picture. Now give me a quote. What can this be about? <laughs> Which is fine for the for the priest when he did it to me with my year twelve level uh theological knowledge. It, there was a lot of awkward silences right. while I was looking at random pictures on the bishop's phone. Well speaking of random, what about coming back to the Christmas theme and saying what's the most random and what's the best Christmas present you've ever had? Um just from memory. I'll let you go first, Bishop. Well, when, when I was, a, so I'm the youngest of five kids and by, by quite a margin. Right. And, um, Christmas morning was, was a, a time of, of patience, growing patience, because my older siblings who were teenagers had been out and they wanted to sleep in, they had the capacity to sleep. 
till about 9am, 9 9.30, 10am, and mum, you know, pushing, come on, come on. I was up by six. Right. You know, and I was at like three hours running around saying, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, you know, I, I couldn't understand why they're in bed. Yes. Anyway, eventually they'd sort of groggily get up and we'd open the presents under the tree, that kind of stuff. But I um, had limited means. So I used to get paper bags, brown paper bags, in which things came in, and I'd stuff it full of little rolled up bits of newspaper and I'd draw a face on it and use the rubber band at the back and it was a whale. And then each person got a whale right, from okay. me. And this one's for you. And so, oh, thank you very was much. This, was, was this every year or? It was for a few years. I think I, I never realized that they probably went straight to the bin. Um, but anyway, it was the thought that counts, I guess. My daughter draws pictures and she's quite good at it. And she'll draw very specific pictures of you and her doing something. And usually it's quite ludicrous. Like you're not it's not yeah. something you would normally do, but this is what's in her fantasy you're doing. It's quite sweet. I've got a pile of them somewhere. But I have to say, my father once, it wasn't actually my present, but it's the one I remember the most vividly. He decided to build a tree house for my daughter, for not my daughters, my sisters. And there were five of us as well. I was the oldest. But he decided it would be a much cooler tree house if it wasn't just up a tree, but it was up a tree that had four trunks. So it had been sawn off at the base early. And then it had grown up in four trunks, this one tree. They were huge trunks. So he, he shimmied up the tree and worked out a, a system where he could have the tree house between the four trunks. But then he figured out the whole thing sways. So he had it all done with pins and slots in the wood and everything so that as the trees moved, it moved with, with the tree. <laughs> he built this entire fort that moved with the wind and stayed intact. And he did most of it by hanging upside down from a branch by his knees Batman. as he used a sledgehammer to bang in, <laughs> you know, pins into the wall, uh, into the uh, tree. I remember watching him thinking, if he drop, drops right now, he's just dead because it's like a 20-foot <laughs> drop onto his head. But he did this whole thing. And at the end, um, you know, you had to climb up to this, this tree house. And we, my brother and I used it more than my sisters because it was a fort, of course. And there was lots of wars that happened uh, over that, but that was yeah. I, it was a very memorable because he put so much effort into it, and he he felt that was his worst Christmas because the reason he made the tree hut is he, they couldn't afford presents that year. It was the best present, and of it's all. the one that yeah. stuck in my head mm. the absolute most. The effort, and isn't it true that the presents you get, which are like you know, someone buys me something that I've always you know, it's like the socks thing, okay, but. When someone gets you something that shows that they know you and they've thought about it and they've gone out of their way to try and find something that's yours. Um, my kids do it with T-shirts these days. Um, they have T-shirts. The one I got last year was, I'm not arguing, I'm just explaining why I'm right. <laughs> and they gave me this T-shirt. That's pretty good. Mm, okay. <laughs> I like the one. There's one similar vein says, um, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a present that you can look back on fondly? Oh, not really. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fishing kit, a fishing kit that I never used. All right. So the thought was there, but it was, yeah, there was no execution So you've for never it. been fishing? No, but it was, that was so exciting to see the fishing kit. I've, I've been fishing quite a lot because my dad used to take me fishing and I, I had bizarre memories of fishing and realized I never liked it, ever. I only ever went because my dad took me. And, and what the definition of success, if you succeed, you've got to gut this smelly thing <laughs> and then shred the, um, all the, the scales off it and then take it home to cook something that I never really liked much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we doing? 
Um, and I took my kids for the sake of, you know, this is what dads do. And I haven't caught, like, since I've been a kid, I've not caught a fish. So every time I've taken them fishing, you go, they're going, Dad, do you think we're ever going to catch anything? And at that point, I went, right, all right, we're done. We're done. Well, we, my dad did the same thing with, with cricket. We always played cricket, went to watch the cricket with Dad. Right. But since I've grown up, I stopped playing cricket after juniors. I don't think I've been to the cricket, uh, not a test match, at least a long one in, in years. But every Christmas, Boxing Day, cricket's on and we sit there and we watch it. Um, and, and Dad and I fall straight back into the same mode we're in when I was 11 or 12, just sitting there talking about cricket all day. Nice. Um, so there are some things about, about yeah. Christmas where it's, you know. I, I played, I played 11 seasons of cricket and I coached my son. Now you're making me feel like, um, that's going to happen to my son because I, <laughs> I coached him in his first three seasons or something. And then he hasn't played since. Well, it's, I think for me, I mean, I'm can't speak for you something for me it was one of those things um in my final season i was playing club cricket and training once a week right. i was also playing rep cricket and training twice a week yeah that can kill it um and then played for my older brother's team occasionally so there were some weekends where i'd play my own game saturday morning his game saturday afternoon the rep game all day sunday and then yeah that was when i was 16 yeah. so we then went into year 11 and 12 and it's just time yeah. i mean cricket for for me this is Christmas for her. Well, well that's, uh, Christmas is the day before Boxing Day, isn't it? The yeah. Boxing Day test. <laughs> well, I, I used to be at the Boxing Day test every year. Oh, really? Yeah, I was there, Boxing Day, for, and, and for most of the test, but definitely Boxing Day. In that, Bay 13, the, the old Bay 13, yeah. uh, I used to sit slightly behind that because it was a bit too too weird. Well, one of, one of our Christmas presents most years was day three of the Sydney test. Right. Me and my brothers and dad would go along to day three. Um, and just, it was most years, it was just sort of a, a staple gift. Um, and that's probably one of those things I look back on, probably didn't appreciate it at the time. Yeah. Now I can't imagine my brothers and my dad, the four of us doing anything <laughs> for that long. So I think the big events, have we lost that with COVID? I mean, going to events is something that we just took for granted. Although Sydney is less, less keen on sport and things like that than Melbourne was. Cause I used to go every weekend I was at my team's game or the cricket or something like that. And I took my kids to it. I remember taking Isaac to the SCG, mm. my, my oldest boy, and he would have been eight or nine or something like that. And, and my team, Richmond, were playing the Swans. And he was yelling at, like, as if he was coaching. He'd brought coaching notes with him. I didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> he was yelling out, saying, come on, don't give up. Oh, I used to take the a little. The next goal that counts. I used to take a little scorebook. The cricket scoreboard. Right. Um, and I, keep score. Sometimes I, I used to do it at my brother's game more than, but I'd go and I'd sit there next to whoever was next to the actual scorers with my little paper one. And that's how I learned to score was sort of just something getting involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. But I mean, uh, cricket takes so long these days and we don't have time, but events, I, I remember watching the AFL grand final this year and looking at the crowd thinking that feels really weird now. Like they, they weren't really that space, but they were a little bit more space. There was only 30,000 there. Uh, instead of your 90, 95,000, you get the MCG. It's been really strange in the last week. We've been back in church in the last week, couple of weeks. We've had people back in church and it's, there's been no restrictions and standing around, not having to worry about this sort of thing, being quite careful still. But um, I wonder how, if it's going to have an effect on our Christmas celebrations. Yeah. Well, thankfully, the, the the some of the restrictions have been lifted. So, right. I think there'll be a number of people who will choose not to go, 
Mm. Um, they, they will voluntarily stay away. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see because normally, of course, there, there are huge crowds. But that's been less, less and less. Actually, I made a comment to the Archbishop um, in the previous year that because I always celebrate the Midnight Mass and there were no, well, at least that I could see, no drunk people at the Mass. Ah. And he said that was actually something of a, of, a, of a disappointment because it shows that there are people on the peripheries who still kind of, you know, keep the oar in the water. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, if it makes you feel better, Bishop, I'm happy to turn <laughs> up at yours this year. A few drinks under my belt. So. Well, is this the usual? The Christmas carols go on just a little bit longer than they really should. You know, that's the... All right. Well, that's probably it for this week's podcast. A very Merry Christmas from This Catholic Life to you and all of yours. Thank you for listening to us throughout this year. Thank you for all of the people who've been on the podcast, especially to Mike, our producer. And keep it family. And we hope that we have become a part of your family. You can subscribe to the podcast and become part of the family at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. And remember, this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's an idea worth getting behind. That's all for now. Merry Christmas and thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm-hmm.